Across the UK, overnights with Martin Kellner. There is a place I'd give the world to see Where the music's softly playing And the rhythm's gently swaying Underneath the stars in a million bars Guitars are softly saying Mexico You've got to be in so much to see in Mexico and that's where we're going right now. We had uh, a top-level editorial conference, and we decided to promote John Bonfilio to Saturday night. We thought he's a Saturday night type of guy. So here he is uh, from Campeche in Mexico, uh, our good friend uh, John Bonfilio. Uh, John, thanks uh, ever so much for joining us. No problem at all. This might be my first ever promotion. I'm going to have to put it on my non-existent <laughs> LinkedIn profile. Yeah, do. Straight <laughs> onto LinkedIn with that one. Um, yeah, sorry about last night. We got thrown out of the building and uh, it all went pear-shaped and we had people lined up and couldn't come on and all that. But it's lovely to, um, uh, to be talking to you right now. Uh, we'll start with Chile and uh, it's the 50th anniversary, isn't it? Half a century since uh, Augusto Pinochet led that uh, coup in Chile and uh, the awful time that followed, uh, which is being marked there. So t tell me about that. Yeah, and look at it, it remains for sure uh, one of the seminal events in the history of Latin America. I mean, I think, you know, if you go through the really important events in what um, categorizes Latin American consciousness, for sure, the events of September the 11th, 1973, and the military overthrow of Salvador Allende's democrat democratically elected government at the time, you know, still is so important to everything that Latin America is or wants to be in the future. And of course, recent focus um, is because we've got this this big, big anniversary uh, coming up, but also because, you know, these things take generations for countries to deal with. As we know, with you know, even Germany at the moment, uh, Second World War still is going through those motions and and now for three specific reasons it's been in the in the news this week the first one is because of the stolen generations that, mm. which often isn't a focus in chile but thousands of children babies stolen from activists poets musicians leftists and sold trafficked basically you know declared dead yeah. and sold on the open market to the extent that actually there's this individual this 42 year old jimmy lippert tyden in the u.s who as far as he was concerned only a week ago was an american citizen that had uh, was born and grown up in the U.S. and he developed an online DNA tracing interest, which took him to, much to his surprise, a Chilean NGO seeking disappeared ch children. Uh, his mother had been told he was dead and his body disposed of. And this week, last week, for the first time, he travelled to Chile and met his mother. And this this is a guy, you know, 42 years old, mm. raised and as an American child, absolutely no knowledge of anything outside of that. So that's been in the news a lot. In the last week or so, the second thing, interestingly, is the declassified U.S. files, 50 years again in the U.S., which uh, alert us, you know, why should we, we be surprised that, you know, Nixon knew an awful lot more than uh, we assumed that he knew from his personal daily briefings, but also in terms of uh, the CIA reports that he was getting in which he was being directly asked for help by by Pinochet and the Chilean military at the time. I was saying of the U.S. administration, you know, if this doesn't go well for us, will you come in and help? We don't know what the answers were. Those are still classified. But that has been big news uh, as well. And the third thing is um, you may some of your listeners may or may not remember 
this famous Chilean folk singer, Victor Hara. He was married actually to a British lady called uh, Joan Hara, who's still alive. But uh, he was one of the, the emblematic musical figures of the time. And not only was he killed by uh, Chilean coup soldiers, but he, it later turned out when she had to go horrifically to identify the body that they had tortured him and and um and broken his hands in hundreds of places uh so he could never play music again even if he was to survive and, and then a court this week has confirmed sentences uh for soldiers that are now individuals that are now in their 80s and are getting up to 25 years uh in prison and you know these stories are harrowing mm. and of course they're important you know countries need to these stories need to be told for um, to, for countries and people to be able to move on from. But that is where Chile is at the moment. And, you know, there's a lot more pain to go through before, uh, before light emerges. Yeah, I remember all, I mean, I remember IND obviously was thought of as a real threat, wasn't he? You know, as far as the USA is concerned. So, um, clearly they had more sympathy than Pinochet, uh, with Pinochet than they, than they should have had. Yeah. I mean, he, he was openly, he was an openly Marxist uh, president. But of course, you know, the, the question of interventions and, you know, do you have the right to, uh, to intervene in, in other people's politics or countries is, 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 is a big ethical question, which is not that difficult to identify. I was actually looking at American interventions, American military interventions in Latin America uh, in the last 24 hours for different reasons to, you know, coming and talking to you about this, Martin. But um, you know, I, I pieced it all together over a two, over a 150 year period. And the only administration in U.S. history since about 1880 that has not had some kind of military intervention into Latin America was the Jimmy Carter administration of the 70s. Every single other U.S. administration has involved itself militar- militarily, uh, you know, without invite uh, in some country at some time during their administration, which is obviously staggering yeah and the the current um uh, the current administration in uh, in chile they're talking about truth and reconciliation which was sort of uh, i mean that those words were used a lot in south africa it's uh, it's a way to move on i suppose yeah totally south africa you're absolutely right was the first country really to be able to 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 adopt this strategy if you like and to some extent northern ireland's done it since since then colombia is very much doing it uh, now as well, but no, it's, it's very definitely, you know, something which is, which seems to be almost the established protocol now that you need to sort of amnesty things up and get everybody to come out and just speak truth. And then that's the only way that, you know, bring everything out in the open. That's the only way that you can possibly, however much it hurts, move on from these things. Yeah. And, and that idea of, you know, as you say, uh, children being trafficked. Um, obviously, if we look at the uh, very troubled history of uh, of Ireland, you know, there have been various films and documentaries and things where that same sort of thing went on for entirely different reasons. You know, as the um, you know, as the, the the laundries run by the nuns, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And it was it, well, the film Philomena is a, a, a good one that uh, uh, you know that covered all that story. And there's one on, there's a, a series on the BBC at the moment doing the same sort of thing. Um, let's talk about the, uh, the dropping water levels in the Panama Canal. Um, what, what, I mean, what's, uh, what's the problem there? Yeah, it's funny how, you know, seemingly things in faraway lands come to 
um, to generate strife on a global level. This is obviously the, you know, the famous Panama Canal that's artificial, 50-mile waterway linking the Pacific and the Atlantic Oceans, um, which is you know, the isthmus of, of uh, Panama, which is the shortest land bridge between the two oceans. Construction began in the late 19th century and remarkably led to the deaths of thousands of workers. One estimate suggests that you know, if you were a worker on the Panama Canal in the late 19th and early 20th century, you were more likely to die or be maimed than emerge intact to the extent that prosthetics companies lobbied for official contracts during the construction. Of course, now the Panama Canal is hugely important. It uh, sees about 6% of all global maritime trade using the canal to the extent that you know that basically means over 15,000 vessels, over 500 million tons, tons of cargo. But changing climate, you know, whatever your views on that, is generating issues because we are now smack bang in the middle of the Panamanian rainy season, same rainy season which is, you know, I experience in, in southern Mexico, except for the fact that there's been no rain in Panama to speak of. So the Panama Canal is suffering significant lowering water levels, which, of course, is a big issue because it means you can't get the level of boats across the level of cargo vessels across from one side uh, to the other, which has generated a massive bottleneck and traffic jam. There's currently 200 ships uh, waiting to cross. And also interesting because it, anytime something like this happens, it brings up thoughts of the other canal that was never built in, in Nicaragua. Nicaragua was historically a competitor for the construction of this canal, except for through Nicaragua, it's going to be longer and have to go past a number of active volcanoes. So those are the prime reasons why it was never built there. Yeah. And uh, tell me about the city of Colon. Interesting name. Yeah, Colon. Well, uh, because uh, because uh, Christopher Columbus in Spanish is Cristobal Colon. Ah, so right. that's where... That's where the name comes from. So that is at the eastern end of Panama. Um, so the Atlantic bit where most people in cargo vessels will not go anywhere near the city of, of Colón. But when the Panama Canal was was a smaller thing, vessels would always, captains and crew would always come off at, at that place and spend some time, you know, as they waited to, to move across. So it's actually one of the most beautiful cities I've ever been in. But it's also uh, by some distance. Uh, one of the dodgiest, most dangerous places I've been in. Before I went there for the first time, a friend of mine who's been in dangerous context said to me, watch out, things happen there, which is a, you know, a hell of a euphemism. But he was absolutely right. And it, for me, it's always, you know, this city, which uh, uh, resembled, is the closest thing I've uh, I've ever come across to Moss Isley on, on Tatooine. You remember when Obi-Wan Kenobi says, uh, you will never find a more wretched hive of scum and villainy that's what Colón is it's one of those places that uh, I wouldn't wish anybody to spend any time in even you know at 11 a.m on a Monday morning which is not ordinarily where you know things mm. come unstuck on a on a broad daylight street I wouldn't recommend being in Colón on, on a Monday morning 11 a.m or any other time of the week yeah well that's a useful tip um, and uh, yeah. just a you final, never know. You, no, never you never know. know.
just let me, uh, if anybody, if you're, you know, because we are a sports station, if you're following the tennis, um, the very, very popular Anzabur is through into the uh, fourth round of the uh, US Open. She's won her match um, two sets to one. And um, she's so popular. She's all smiling. On Shabur, she's through. Uh, yeah, and as we've uh, we've raised sports, tell me about uh, the Venezuelan Ronald uh, Acuna Jr. Yeah, an extraordinary 25-year-old Venezuelan professional outfielder with the Atlanta Braves. Been in the headlines also this week for two reasons. One is because, firstly, on Monday the Braves were playing the Colorado Rockies, and two fans burst onto the field and charged Acuna. Who, you know, if you look, if you watch the video footage of it, he's just like, what on earth is taking place? He had no idea what was taking place. And uh, they were apparently just wanting selfies. You know, this is a sign of our times. I think I'm sure you've been charged uh, recently in the last few years by people wanting selfies with you, Martin. It's an occupational all hazard the all the time for, for individuals in in the limelight. They've been charged with trespassing and uh, disturbing the peace. But more importantly, on Thursday in uh, in L.A. in Los Angeles, as the Braves beat the Dodgers in an 8-7 thriller. Cunha became the first player, get this, in, in Major League Baseball history, to hit 30 homers and steal 60 bases in a single season with a month still left. Even perhaps more remarkably, he got married in a secret ceremony, uh, which is politically important because he was marrying his Venezuelan uh, childhood sweetheart, who, had he not married her, would have been forced to leave the country and go back to to Venezuela, but you know, and and, he, and it's also he doesn't he still doesn't speak a word of English, which is amazing. So every, every time he comes on to you know the the Major League Baseball stations to speak about these amazing achievements he's been involved in, he has his translator very close. I mean, well, Mauricio. Pochettino is now managing Chelsea. He used to do the same thing. He always did the interviews with the translator, but he picked it up eventually. So maybe the same will happen to uh, Ronald Acuna Jr. Um, John, thank you ever so much. Do appreciate it. We'll uh, we'll talk again soon. No problem. Take care. Okay, thank you very much indeed. There he is, promoted to Saturday night. Uh, that was John Bonfilio from Campeche in Mexico.